Really enjoyed uh, meeting the people that we've had opportunity to meet so far and look forward to meeting some of the rest of you this morning, uh, perhaps after the service. I would love to shake your hand and hear your name and get to know you just a bit. Um, This morning, I just have to say I've been encouraged worshiping with you. We have... We have praised God for who He is in and of Himself, worthy of praise. Uh, we've rehearsed the gospel multiple times in song and prayer and, and declaration. And now we come to the part of the service that we call the commitment, uh, where we hear from God and we respond, not in a way to earn His approval. We've already worshipped Him for, for receiving us in the gospel. Uh, this is a response to His grace. So uh, all of my comments this morning, uh, I hope that you'll take in, in the context of having rehearsed the gospel multiple times already this morning. And uh, the, the topic today is the call of discipleship. And uh, you know what comes to mind when you think of this word discipleship? What's that look like in your, in your mind? What does that entail? How do you do it? Well, if, if, you're, if you're not a believer or if you haven't been in Christian circles very long, that's, that's kind of a strange word. It, it might be a, an utterly meaningless word to you. But if you've been in the church or been around Christian circles for very long at all, you've surely heard this word. It's a, it's a common word that we use in church. So what comes to mind when we think about discipleship? I think for many of us, we think of Bible study uh, we think of one-on-one relationships or perhaps involvement in a growth group or something along those lines. We, we read through a book of the Bible or we read through another kind of book together or we, we work through some curriculum together. Uh, for a lot of Christians, discipleship is a program. Right? It's, it's, it's a part of the Christian life. It's, it's an option for how we might get involved in the life of the church. You know, one person walks alongside another person or a, a small group together uh, talks about the Scriptures in some way. But oftentimes, the focus is on us personally as individuals, our own individual personal spiritual growth. And, and uh, those smaller gatherings are often critically important, very important for helping us grow personally uh, in those ways. But I would submit to you that uh, while making disciples is not less than that, it's certainly a whole lot more than that. Uh, That's just a piece of what it looks like to make disciples. The Scriptures hold out to us a vision of discipleship that's holistic, that is comprehensive, that entails the entire Christian life. It's not just part of the Christian life. Discipleship is part and parcel what it means to follow Jesus. It's not just focused on my own spiritual growth, although it it certainly includes that, or my involvement with fellow believers. Discipleship is the process by which God forms His people to joyfully live all of life to His glory and for His kingdom. Uh, Our text today is a passage where Jesus calls the twelve to follow Him, to be His disciples. And uh, listen as I read from Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. It's on page 814 in your pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along there. Uh, This is God's Word. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to Him those He wanted, and they came to Him. He appointed twelve that they might be with Him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. 
Now, this is, uh, is not the first or the only passage in Math, uh, Mark, Mark's Gospel, that focuses on discipleship. Discipleship is one of the overall overriding themes of, of the entire Gospel. He's starting as early as chapter 1, uh, we see Jesus calling disciples. A very famous passage, for example, in Mark 1.17, he sees two men, Simon and Andrew, and he calls them to leave their fishing boats and to follow him. He says, come follow me and I will send you out to what? Right? To, To fish for people. I will make you... Fishers of men. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Even even in that single sentence, we see a concept of discipleship beginning to emerge, beginning to take shape that consists of being with Jesus, of, of experiencing Him, being in a relationship with Him, but for a larger purpose. He wants them to impact others as well. Immediately after that, he sees James and John, and he calls them in the exact same way. Jesus' approach to discipleship takes further shape in Mark chapter 2, where he it describes how he meets a man called Levi, who we often will call Matthew, had two names, uh, to be his disciple. And in chapter 2, verse 14, he says, Follow me. And then he spends time in Matthew's house with outcasts and sinners. These people that are perceived to be far from God. Uh, unlikely people that a religious man would spend time uh, around. And when the religious leaders challenge him for doing that, Jesus explains his purpose. He says, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Another way of getting that, uh, that whole idea of, of fishing for people. And so Mark shows us that to be a disciple of Jesus is to join with Jesus in what he's doing to follow Him, but there's a larger purpose beyond our own experience of Jesus. He absolutely wants to work in us. He wants to have a relationship with us, but also so that He can work through us to introduce other people to Him as well. The passage that we're going to look at in Mark 3 gives us some handles to think about that. And even though it's a very brief passage, very concise passage, uh, it gives us... uh, insight into the purpose that Jesus has for his disciples. What is it for? What does being a disciple of Jesus entail? Well, we'll see today from this passage that a disciple is someone who first gets close to Jesus, follows Jesus. Second, with other people, right, uh, who are seeking to do the same. Third, so that they can join Jesus' mission to extend his grace and his love and his mercy to more and more people. Jesus is not content. He's not content with people merely attending worship services, as critical and important as that is on Sundays, or, or merely having a personal, private faith in Him. As great as that, that is, it doesn't go far enough. The goal of discipleship, the goal of discipleship is a transformed life and a redirected purpose for living. So let's unpack these these three aspects of what it means to be a disciple. First, the disciple gets close to Jesus. This passage begins with the scene of Jesus on a mountaintop where he calls 12 men out of this larger crowd of people that have been listening to Jesus, uh, experiencing his public ministry. And Luke's gospel, the parallel account in the gospel of Luke, 
describes that Jesus spent the entire night before in prayer about this. And then when morning comes, he calls the twelve to be with him. This was a, a deliberate decision of Jesus to invest his life in some. Jesus had ministered to the crowds. He loved the crowds. Jesus came for the whole world. But to accomplish that mission, he prayerfully, deliberately, intentionally invests his life in a few. That's an important aspect of how we should make disciples as well. We invite them into our life as we together follow Jesus. The text says that he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Be with him. These three words are really a concise summary of what is at the heart of the Christian faith. And, and while the, the Scriptures give us a comprehensive, robust worldview, world and life view, our faith is not at its heart simply a philosophy. Right? It's a relationship with God in Christ by His Spirit. God sent His Son. He pursues us. He initiates with us. He invites us into a relationship with Him so that we can be with Him. We could know Him. He created us to to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. John summarizes the point of eternal life in this way. On his last night with his disciples before his arrest in John 17.3, he says, now this is eternal life. You want to know what eternal life is? It's this. That they may know you, God, that the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. And this word know in the Greek doesn't merely connote information about something, just, just data. It's more than that. It refers to the knowledge that comes through an intimate relationship with someone. You know, Carissa and I will have been married 25 years in May here in a few months, and so I hope she's thinking about what she's going to do for me for, for that uh, important milestone in our, in our marriage. We met at Kansas State University. We were college students, and uh, we were both involved in Campus Crusade for Christ. Crew now is, is, is the name of the ministry. And um, we, we met each other my freshman year, her sophomore year, but because I was just a lonely freshman. You know, I wasn't on her radar or anything along those lines. But we knew of each other. We had similar friends. But after the summer, I came back from a, a, a summer missions project. Uh, she came back from a project uh, with crew. And, and we met in the registration line before classes start. That, that, and, and we began to talk. And we began to notice each other. And, and, and so I, I started to take an interest in her. I wanted to learn more about her, and so I would watch what she did, did who she talked to. I would, I would try to learn more about her, but it wasn't until we started spending time together, we started dating, that I really began to know her. I could know all kinds of things about her, but it wasn't until we had a relationship that I began to know her. Now 25 years uh, later, 27 years later, uh, what I know of her is a whole lot more profound than anything that I could read from a biography that might be written about her. And, and that's what's, that's what's uh, entailed here. A disciple is someone who knows God, experiences God. Someone that God invites into a relationship with Him. We come to know Him by being with Him. 
through faith in Christ. Now, the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus commands us to make disciples who, and teach them to obey everything that, that Jesus commanded his first disciples. But this obedience, friends, is not a forced, begrudging obedience. It's, it's obedience that flows out of the experience of God's love for us. It, it's the desire to please someone you love and who loves you. On his last night with his disciples, Jesus explained in John 14, 23, he said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them. And get this, we will make our home with them. Intimacy, relationship. And so in Mark 3, this statement that Jesus calls his disciples to be with him gets at everything that flows out of that relationship that we have with Jesus. In discipleship, we experience gospel grace and gospel healing. We grow in love for God in response to his love for us. We learn about God, for sure, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but more than learning, we experience him. We, we worship and adore him. And the Word of God and prayer and all kinds of other rhythms and disciplines are important processes, parts of helping us to do that. And so when we make disciples, we help them get closer to Jesus so that they can glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And our efforts uh, in the church to make disciples seek to help people experience God in His grace and mercy. Yes, we study the Bible, we, we study theology to learn about our faith, but our knowledge always needs to lead to worship as well as application. And so before we ask ourselves, what does this uh, passage tell us to do in any passage of Scripture that we might be reading, uh, it, it's good to back up before that and say, what does this passage teach me about God, who He is, what He's done for us, how, how does it lead us to worship Him in light of the gospel, in light of who He is, what He's done? And then how does my obedience flow from, from that? So first, uh, a disciple is someone who is with Jesus. Second, uh, the disciple does this with other people who are seeking to follow Jesus as well. In Matthew's Great Commission, he calls us to make disciples, it says, by baptizing them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Disciples are those who are initiated into the fellowship of the church. That's what baptism does. And in Mark 3, Jesus calls the twelve not individually, in isolation with one another, but as a group. It says in verse 14, He appointed twelve that they, collectively, would be with Him. Now it's it's significant that He calls twelve. He didn't call eight, or ten, or fifteen. He called 12. Why? Well, 12, of course, has clear redemptive significance. Uh, 12 refers to the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. And by calling 12, Jesus is giving us a signal that he is restoring the people of God who were still experiencing, even though they were back in the land, they were still experiencing a state of exile. The twelve reflect backward to uh, to God's prior history of working with His people in the twelve tribes. And Jesus is constituting them as the renewed messianic community, the fulfillment of God's promises to His people. He's forming the new covenant church. 
these uh, apostles will lay the foundation of the church. He calls them to be with Him together as the twelve. You can't be a disciple of Jesus and not be part of His church. You can't be a healthy disciple of Jesus and not be in fellowship with the people of God, with your brothers and sisters in the faith. Jesus calls His disciples out of the world to be a a counter-cultural, authentic community. Uh, when, When we come to know God as our Father, we're placed in a spiritual family. We have brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers. And so disciples are called not just to pursue their own individual growth. They're called to be healthy, contributing members of a spiritual family. And so the spirituality of the New Testament calls us over and over to things like love one another. Right? Be devoted and honor one another. Teach and admonish one another. Care for one another. Serve for one another. I'm talking a whole lot faster than the slide guys can keep up. Right? Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. There we go. One more. One more. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Submit to one another. Encourage one another. And, and much, much more. This is, a, this is a family that we're involved in. Is your involvement in the church leading you to get connected with your brothers and sisters in those kinds of ways? An important part of what we do as a spiritual family is to gather for public worship. That's, that's central to the identity of our community. Central to the life of the family, but we can't one another each other in these ways and other ways simply by showing up to a service and, and, and engaging in some, some sincere, but you know, at whatever level it is, talk in the lobby before we go our separate ways for the rest of the week. The ministries of the church need to encourage us to share our lives with one another in official ways that the church can help give some structure to, but also in unofficial ways, in formal and informal ways. And so our church ministries are tools. They're they're means to an end to help us live as a spiritual family together, life on life, pointing one another to Jesus and loving and caring for one another as His people. And so discipleship requires us requires us to be embedded in a community where faith gets below the surface. We help one another follow Jesus. The church is not a place we go to receive spiritual services. You know this. The church is a people uh, with whom we walk as we seek to follow Jesus together. And we do that, third, so that we can all join in Jesus' mission to extend His grace and His love to more and more people, to grow the family. Mark 3, verse 14, He appointed twelve that they might be with Him and, and that He might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Now notice the purpose of the calling of the disciples. Jesus calls disciples so that they might be with Him and that He might send them out. It's not one or the other. It's both and. Right? Discipleship is not merely Bible study and fellowship seeking to grow closer to Jesus, while mission is something separate 
something secondary, something optional for some of the people of God to be involved in. Discipleship involves being with Jesus, together in community, and being sent on his mission. We are not effectively making disciples if being sent in Jesus' mission is not built into the purposes of everything that we do together. Jesus called the twelve to be with him that he might send them out. Come follow me and I will send you to fish for people. He said earlier, Jesus calls us because he loves us. And he redeems us. He wants to have a relationship with us and so that he can send us out to help others experience his love and his grace and his forgiveness, his redemption with us. This is a summary of the Christian life. There's this movement back and forth, a rhythm. We gather, right? We're called out from the world to help one another experience Jesus through worship and word and fellowship and things like this. And then we scatter. We're sent back into the world for the sake of the world, to be His witnesses through our lifestyles, our presence, our words, our deeds, the way we go about our work, and in all things, seeking to glorify God. And hopefully when we gather again, the family's larger. Uh, more of His lost children have been found. You have the privilege of knowing God by His grace, being with Jesus, and that privilege is directly connected to the dignity, <laughs> the dignity of being the means by which Jesus grows his family. I have fond memories of working with my dad uh, when I was a kid. I remember one summer uh, he had to re-roof our house, you know, pull off the old shingles, put on the new shingles, and I was, I was old enough that um, dad convinced my mom to allow me to go up on the roof, right, and help tear off shingles and, and hand them to my dad so he doesn't have to get up and go back and forth. He could work more efficiently. I, I remember him showing me how to hammer them down, the new, the new shingles down on the roof. We, we re-shingled our house together. My dad didn't need me. He could have done that by himself. But he, he invited me into what he was doing. My dad was a blue-collar guy. He was an electrician uh, until he retired. And I remember he would get some side jobs. And when I was old enough, he would bring me along with him. And I would help him pull wire. I would help him, you know, and he would show me how to wire up a switch or whatever. And I knew more about my dad. I came to know my dad more, more deeply, more profoundly. I learned from his work ethic by working alongside him by being with Him. Friends, these are not separate things. Being with Jesus and being sent out, they, reinf they reinforce one another. When, uh, when we engage in God's mission together, we experience more of Him. We, we experience greater fellowship with one another in the very act of being sent. Acts 1.1 begins, uh, Luke and Acts are two volumes that, that, that Luke wrote. And Acts 1.1 begins, in my former volume, referring to the Gospel of Luke, I began, I, 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 I told you about what Jesus began to do and to say. And the implication is that Jesus is continuing to work in the book of Acts. But he's not bodily here. But Jesus is at work through the Spirit, where? In the church, as it engages the mission of God. 
We aren't being faithful to Jesus if we're only focused on our own relationship with him and our relationships within the church. Jesus forms his disciples to love God, to love God's people, and to love God's world. Mission through sharing the gospel, through serving others, is as much of what it means to be a disciple as studying the Bible, as fellowshipping with one another, as praying, as coming to a worship service. It's not that one is more important than the other. It's that both are necessary. Gathering and scattering. Does your understanding of discipleship include both of those? To only emphasize gathering in our discipleship is to settle for a counterfeit spirituality as if we could we could love jesus and not care one whit about why he came to only emphasize scattering leads to this activism where we think mission is about what we do for god it's only when gathering and scattering are held together in the life of disciple as equally important rhythms of life that we most experience Jesus in his presence and power in his life. As disciples, we're not re- merely uh, uh, receiving, on the receiving end of the presence and power of God. We become the channels through which the presence and power of God touches others. And so Mark 3 shows us that a disciple is someone who gets close to Jesus with other people who are seeking to do the same so that they can join Jesus' mission to extend His love and His grace to others. And to truly follow Jesus, you have to have all three. You don't get to pick and choose between these activities or these aspects. I'm, I'm encouraged by Grace Redeemer's vision statement Right? To bring people of northern New Jersey and everywhere we serve into a life-transforming encounter with the kingdom of God. This becomes a reality when large numbers of unchurched people commit their lives to Christ, when believers radically display Christ-like character in their daily lives, when every aspect of society begins to reflect the values of God as revealed in His Word. That's a beautiful vision. I support that vision wholeheartedly. How's it to happen? How does that vision become reality? Well, obviously, it's something God has to do. We can't convert anyone. We don't have the ability to convert anyone. Only God can do that. We can't transform someone's life, right? Only God can. Spiritual growth is the fruit of the Spirit, But how does God typically do those things? Typically, He does them through His church's efforts to make disciples. Although God is the one who establishes His kingdom on earth and in the lives of people, and although God is the one who causes any spiritual growth that we experience in our life, He graciously invites us to join Him in Him doing that. And that invitation is a call to discipleship and to make disciples. Grace Redeemer's vision to be a countercultural, authentic community, to be a people who celebrate gospel grace and gospel healing, to be a people who are motivated and equipped to reach the least and the lost, a people who steward God's resources well, to be that kind of people effectively, consistently, not just as a push now and then, but as a way of life. To be that kind of people requires 
that we make disciples. Because you see, that's the calling of a disciple. Not just my own spiritual self-actualization, but to be formed as a person in a community for the sake of God's glory and His mission. That's what He calls us to be and to do, friends. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that it's not through our efforts that we earn our way into Your family. Father, we thank You that You initiate with us. You call us into a relationship with You. And Father, we we thank You that as You do that, You change us. You work in us. You, you, You develop Your fruit, the fruit of Your Spirit in us. You place us in a family of people, men and women and children of all nations who are seeking to do that together. And you send us out. Lord, would, would we experience your grace to such a degree that we can't help? We, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, that we would be compelled by your love for us, that we would live for you. Father, would our discipleship be a response of your grace, and would it not be limited to our own personal experience of you? But Lord, would it so overflow and spill out of us that we would be a blessing to others? We pray in Jesus' name.